Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network this afternoon. We're from Nashville. Across uh, the radio network and across all of the streaming platforms, say hello. Welcome to 6th and Peabody. Our studio's here, downtown Nashville, right behind the Music City Center, which sits behind Bridgestone Arena, uh, right in the heart of Music City. 6th and Peabody, the home of Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. So the next time you visit Nashville, be sure to visit us at 6th and Peabody. The address is simple. It's on the marquee. It's on the sign. It's Paul, where's 6th and Peabody? It's at Peabody and six. <laughs> it's that. That's simple. actually a good response. Just flip it when someone asks. Thank it's you. at it's at Peabody and six, not sixth and Peabody. The number of quarterback needy teams, and then the quarterbacks on the market, either trade or free agent or draft, is really intriguing because Armando set this up. And if you missed our our conversation with Armando Salguero or Trey Wallace, it'll be up on the podcast. Uh, by by saying this is not the draft to go get the franchise quarterback. At least that's the impression. There'll be a guy that plays well, but I think there's also some guys who will be overdrafted, who are maybe just career backups. And while that's okay, that's a clear sign that these guys are not the marquee talent that we've seen over the last couple of years. And with that in mind, I think that opens the door to a lot of craziness in the free agent market and on the trade market, and Paul, a behind-the-scenes look behind the curtain of the NFL Combine, it's not just all about the college players on display trying to make their way into the NFL draft and make an impression and doing the interviews and the medicals. That's certainly why everyone's in Indy. But the agents are also there, and the agents talk with members of teams about to-be-free agents, about their clients who may be upcoming uh, against a franchise tag. You know, there's a lot of talk that goes on, and that kind of sets the market value and the stage for contract negotiations, uh, stalls in those negotiations, maybe what a team would want in in, res- in, in respect to uh, a quarterback. We'll use that as an example because that's the topic. A quarterback that wants to go and seek a trade, what the current team would say is needed as the agent goes and tries to seek that trade. All that's kind of determined over the next 10 days or so. Yeah, well, we said earlier, too, uh, the team-to-team stuff is big. And when John Robinson got to Nashville, um, the Titans had a booth. So the booths get assigned. uh, There's some methodology to it, which I've forgotten. I have to look it back up again. But um, for the booths at Lucas Oil Stadium, that each team gets a suite there along the the, uh, sideline. And the Titans ended up next to the Rams the year that the Titans wound up trading the number one pick to the Rams that they used for Jared Goff. Um, that conversation started because they were next door to each other. And so it, 
Not that they wouldn't have ultimately chit-chatted, but their chit-chat started out of them being neighbors in combine booths where they were watching the, the 40s and stuff. Which is a lot easier to have a conversation there. than just making a cold call, right? Because yeah. you get to see body mannerisms and reactions. Hey, what's up? You know, yeah. you're grabbing popcorn or walk you know, on a you, walk to the booth. You can kind of tell if they're the serious, booth, right? Yeah. You, know, you know, you gauge that instead of a guy being on the phone, he can put you on mute and... You know, make fun of you and then unmute you. Now, I counted, I counted, <laughs> Hutt, like a Zoom. Nine, nine quarterback needy teams, which I think is probably about average. I could raise it to 13 if I include uncertain oh, yeah. teams. But I think also you're putting Rodgers, Wilson, Tannehill, who I don't think is ultimately going to move. Um, you know, I'm sorry, 15 if you include. So nine definitely needy. 15 if you include question mark teams back down to 13 because Rodgers, Wilson and Tannehill are starting in one of those jobs. So back down to 13. And then if you take out Tua, Mayfield, um, um, Wentz and, uh, and Jones, Daniel Jones, if those guys are starting somewhere, you're tamping it back down again, but nine that need for sure. Well, starting somewhere means teams were on the move and these quarterbacks will have moved. Move. Yeah, I mean, I, right. I, I look so at it So there's like, a lot of movement there, but it's still yeah. only nine that are diehard Well, let's neat. go through them, Chad. But Steelers. I, I, Steelers, absolutely. Buccaneers. Yes. Absolutely. Panthers. Yes. Saints. Of course. Commanders. Yes. yes. Broncos. Yes. Browns. Yes. Yes. Colts. Browns, yes. I, Browns I put in a maybe. Well, they... I mean, they may be content to, to stay where they are. But Detroit, if you're saying, I put... Paul, but if you're saying they may be content to stay where they are... Their quarterback uncertain at best. Uncertain. I have a different and so is their for job status. For, for straight need, I think Pittsburgh, uh, Indianapolis, Denver, Washington, Detroit, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Carolina. I mean, to me, those are teams that well, absolutely let's keep going. need a we're getting, we're getting Vikings. New, one, one thing real quick, Hutton. Falcons. We're get, yes, yes, yes. We're getting nuanced here with that. I'm putting just mentally, if you're quarterback uncertain, you're quarterback needy. So it's all one category for me. I think you could go different tiers of this, Paul. Like you're saying, definitely no quarterback. See, the Vikings to for me some of these teams aren't, aren't but needy. I mean, if the Browns are saying Baker Mayfield's not our may not be our franchise quarterback, they're quarterback needy, in my opinion. Well, so that's it, a big list, though. But but you also have the Lions, you have the Giants, um, Texans. Texans, according to Lovey Smith, you know they're fine. They've got their franchise like, uh, guy. Well, and you've got you got headlines saying that uh, you know to start the offseason, the, they were saying that Mason Rudolph was con- in contention for the number Blaine one quarterback Gabbert. job. You've got Bruce Arians saying Blaine Gabbert's Gabbert great. Tampa. But you we have know the that. Vikings on your list. Do you think the Vikings? I have are the really... Vikings on my list because Kirk Cousins is going into the final year of his deal, and if you're a team that wants to trade for him, I mean, for whatever situation you're in, you're picking up one year of a salary. And you're you're trying to bridge a gap before you go to a rookie. See, but I, I, I've, I got, also a, I've say, got to distinguish between them and Tampa Bay, which has no quarterback, and Carolina, well, which has no quarterback. That's fine, but but I think we could see quite a bit of movement, um, just with just with the, some some free agents or some trades based on market value this offseason. And like, let me give the Browns for an example. The Browns, I move up in my pecking order. Because Stefanski's got to feel he's got to feel some heat, and so does that. So does the front office there. I mean, we're three years, three off seasons removed now from the Browns being the talk of the off season, and yeah. they're going into a you know prove it type year 
with the guy they're uncertain about at quarterback. At best, they're uncertain about Baker Mayfield. I, I feel the and same. With but that I in mind, I mean, if you if you're uncertain about your quarterback and you're on the hot seat, you're effectively firing yourself by not doing anything this offseason. You've got to make a move to improve your backup situation for when Baker Mayfield gets hurt with the shoulder. Um, you don't you don't feel feel it necessary to have him continue to play for ten weeks because you have no alternative there, there. And it has to be better than a rookie class where these guys aren't ready to go in and start for you and save your job. That, I, that, this is a, a, a huge off season for Cleveland. I, I tend to agree, but I could devil's advocate it for you the way they could conceivably think of it. And I think Stefanski would be at least two years away from trouble, but I think they could conceivably say to themselves, and I think they definitely have doubts about Mayfield, but they can talk themselves into, you know what? We're a healthy Baker Mayfield away from being in the playoffs like we were two years ago. We've got a solid roster. We've got a great pairing of running backs. We've got a very good offensive line. The Jadavian Clowney showed up for us opposite Miles Garrett, and, and we, we have the pass rush that we need. Uh, you know, a couple pieces here and there. This is what teams do, by the way, that, that hurts them. They talk themselves back into, you know what? Our quarterback, you know, the, the season really fell apart with Baker getting hurt. He gets stitched up and healthy. We, we, uh, and if we, we can get him 14 games, we're right back where but we the, were two years ago. But the difference there, so you could say the same. That, so Most based on that model, based on that model, the Titans are doing the same thing. The difference is yeah, Titans, they okay. have seen Ryan Tannehill do it. They have seen him win and win at a high rate since he became the starting quarterback. Baker hasn't done that. And, and because of that, you can't just keep buying into the same old theme and expect to break through in the AFC right now, especially in that division where Joe Burrow just went to the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Cleveland as one of the movers. It doesn't mean they have to move Baker Mayfield either. They were 11-5 and five two they, years ago. Well, but that was, the, that was the year where they got to the playoffs and were one and done. No, they won one game without Stefanski, right? They beat the Steelers? Yeah, they beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Oh, and then they went to Kansas City. Kansas and City lost. and lost. Yep. That's right. So it was a pretty good season. Like I, For Cleveland, it was a great well, season. But, but here's my point, though. At what, at what point do you stop becoming the rebuild? We're in rebuild mode, or not rebuild, but um, we're, we're reframing it with a new head coach in Stefanski to – Okay, at some point, you got to start delivering some things in the postseason. Because, by the way, the other Ohio team yeah, just, just, just did took it. it. Overtook us. Just did it by making the right pick and by doing things around his quarterback, uh, around their quarterback to, to make it work, and by doing it with a young head coach, an offensive-minded head coach that got them there. Well, I, I'm with you. I'm not a Mayfield believer I, at all. I, and I but don't I think they see are how either. They could, I, I, I don't either, but I could see how they could, if it gets hard – talk themselves into it. You know what? It's not, maybe it's not as bad as we think. Teams have a tendency to, to fall back into that too easily. I think things are shifting away from that. Well, they're, they're but shifting you also away hear the from Giants the... say about Daniel Jones, you know what? We've screwed up Daniel Jones every way possible, and what we need to do is get some things right and give Daniel Jones an actual chance. And that's not what Giants fans want to hear, and the impatient NFL fans don't want to hear it. But for the Giants, who suck, it's probably the right thing to do here for a year while they try to get some other things right. But 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 it's not. But, the, again. but again, it's not the right thing to just stand pat with the backup situation. I, and well, the they Titans, have no backup situation. The Titans need to be in that same boat. They they need to be active with the backup now. 
uh, and upgrade that position in a drastic way. Um, and you don't have to get rid of Baker Mayfield, but they absolutely need an option better than what they've had when a guy is torn up his shoulder and is still playing because they don't have an alternative for a guy who would normally just go to injured reserve. That, that's my point. And because of that, I, I, to me, they're, they're a player for someone in the free agent market to come in and back him up. Same thing would go for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is going to end up being a backup yes. somewhere. And that's the, that's the type of quarterback I'm talking about with Cleveland. Um, and Carson I'm, I'm, Wentz would be great. To I'm, go to Cleveland if you're sticking with Baker Mayfield. But yes, but that's what they've got to do. And that's a movement piece of the whole quarterback carousel that I think is going to be crazy because the quarterback crop in the draft is not a, a group. While, while it's a group that I think some coaches will say, you know what, I can develop this guy. I don't think it's a crop that you say, this is a guy who can come in off the bench and is going to win eight straight games. And it's save the also, it's very difficult to replicate what the Titans did with the trade for Ryan Tannehill for a backup, hedge your bet situation to have it pay off that way. And they never knew with it was going to pan out, pan out that well. They got but, lucky. But Paul, that's, that's why you do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you do it being optimistic, hoping it pays off to that way. To Hutton's point, I'm, I'm with them. There are teams that need to improve the backup position, but... If you do that, you're also looking at it like, okay, this guy can go win games and upgrade if something happens to the, to the starting quarterback. It's difficult to find that situation. You can draft a guy. You, know, you can do a lot of things to improve your backup situation. But to me, I look at it as Ryan Tannehill is the ceiling for the best possible scenario for that to happen. When you go that hedging your bet yeah. route at quarterback. And Wentz isn't going to have control of where he goes. Well, he might because he might get released because it's an expensive, yeah. expensive trade. If he does have control of where he goes, where he wants to go is the place with the crappiest starting quarterback. No doubt. So you want to go probably to Carolina if Carolina doesn't make the splash moves it wants because you're counting on Carolina being a bleep show and you getting a chance to start sooner rather than later. If Mayfield is healthy and plays to his ceiling – you're not going to get in the lineup in Cleveland until he, he gets hurt or they lose faith. There will be – I'm not saying that's a, a great situation. There will be worse situations for you to get yourself in if you're Carson Wentz. Uh, so let me, but you're going to have to wait and see how everything shakes out. If you're Carson Wentz, you're waiting a while. The Yes, I, I, I tend to agree if you're on the market. Um, the, the team that I think fits the draft version of solidifying the position – or the Atlanta Falcons. Because Matt Ryan is right now against the cap, the highest paid quarterback going into next season. Yeah, he's not going anywhere this he, year. Can't move him based I don't know on what his the deal. Out is next year. It's over forty million up. against the cap for Atlanta this year. Let's see next year. And because of that, I think you go the backup route in the draft with an opportunity for Arthur Smith to bring him in, the backup and the rookie, and groom that player behind Matt Ryan and within your offense and you can continue the overhaul. That, there's an example of a team that I think the rookie in the first round makes sense. Some of these teams just, I don't think, can afford to do it because coaches and GMs are going to feel the heat now. They can get out from Matt Ryan in 2023 for 15.6 dead money, it looks like, according to Spotrack. So that's similar to the Titans being and able to get like out. And this year's like 40-something, like 47. This year it's 40.5, yeah. 40.5. Yeah, I mean, undoable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
you can, and if he's still playing well enough, he's he's not as expensive. Uh, well, his cap number is ridiculous this year, 48.6. Next year, it's 43.6. You're probably going to have to get out from under that to, to begin to, to get better elsewhere. So you're right. You bring in the rookie this year. You groom him for a year. Then next year, you're out of, of the Matt Ryan business for 15.6 dead. That rookie is a second-year starter, and, uh, and I w- you move I would on. Consider- and then Matt Ryan's a very attractive guy for somebody that's willing to take on an older quarterback who's been an MVP. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's- still has some years left, probably. Yes, yes, and has been relatively healthy. He'll be, he'll be, he's 30, he'll be 37 this season. The, the intriguing one is Indianapolis because – Who? This ooh, has ooh, been ooh. floated out there that they're moving on from Wentz. It was Mortensen, right? Mortensen yes. put out there, and you know Schefter's doubled down on that by saying, if Mortensen said that he's going to be traded or released, he's going to be traded or released. And, and others around the team haven't said it as hard, but like Bob Kravitz said, this isn't me reporting it. This is me putting together all the logic around this team. They can't go forward with him. But if you can't go forward with him, you've got it's got to be something better. That not just and not better, but. It's got to be something that puts you over the top, like um, right. So is that Garoppolo that puts you into a contender area? Well, I think what they're saying is they know it's not wins, and if you change your frame of how they go about the, some of the stuff they did with Wentz, while you know Wentz, for instance, um, his I think his best trait is under throwing his receivers. Because by and he routinely does this. He puts a lot of air into the ball and he underthrows receivers. Huge the receiver comes back to it, and he you know the defensive back who hasn't turned around yet ends up getting defensive pass interference call. That that happens quite a bit with Wentz in 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 a passing situation. Um, but they threw a lot with him and didn't go through the run. And I think they need in especially with Jonathan Taylor. I mean they they went through the run, but they didn't go through the run. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a 25 to 30 carry a game no matter what with Jonathan Taylor. And I think it's got to be that. Who's the ideal quarterback for them who you think could be better than Wentz but is not going to cost a lot because they're not going to give up a ton. They're already without a first well, this year, a second next year Pickett. for Wentz. No, he's, he's not ready to start. And, and but you have to keep in mind, Frank Reich's about to get fired. Ballard will kick him to the curb if he doesn't. I mean, they, they've already signed off on Wentz. They're trying to come out of this funk. They took over at the podium when they were first hired, and Ballard's talking about how you know we're going to build. This is and go, they had seven Pro five. Bowlers, seven Pro Bowlers going sitting year at, a, at a breakfast table, wondering what the hell they're doing at the Pro Bowl. To, to keep this together, they they have to make a splash at that position. And if you this this report came out what around Valentine's Day, if it's around Valentine's Day and you've already made up your mind on quarterback, to me, they're getting Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. That's the splash. I don't think they're doing it. I don't think you've got a deal there. Those draft, you have an owner. Capital. You have an owner who can absolutely fit the mold of a Cronky, who would absolutely say mortgage everything to get this fixed, and you have a general manager and a head coach that was hired the same. Uh, uh, Ballard was hired same year off after. season year, year after. after year after John Robinson. You've got Robinson and Vrabel paired together. Reich has been brought in and paired with Ballard, and they have not delivered nearly the results that we have seen with Robinson and Vrabel 
getting extensions this offseason. You think those two are getting extensions next offseason? With Carson Wentz? With a rookie quarterback starting? Nope. They know it. They have to make a, a big splash move, and maybe it includes other quarter, another uh, player on the roster or something, but they, they have to go get and I, you mentioned Garoppolo, and that's why I said I'm, I'm not so sure Garoppolo's better than Wentz long-term uh, for a duration of a season. But let's compare Garoppolo's win-loss record to Carson Wentz. You know? I, mean, I, I just don't, I don't believe Indianapolis will give up the resources that well, it would take going, to get Aaron Then they're going Aaron to get Rogers fired. Or, or, uh, Again, or I, I, I think the days of tiptoeing – and just saying, we're going to run it back. If you're not running it back, you can't be worse. And if you're not going to be worse than Wentz, to me, there's only three guys that I would point to that's well, in Armando's tier one. Pittsburgh's not giving up the resources to get one of those two guys. Why? Because that's not how Pittsburgh operates. They, they won't do it. Yeah, but the difference there, Paul, is they're, they're now ending an era. They, they, Indy, Indy has gone from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck to now Jacoby Brissett. Well, but, but yeah, but that didn't last long, you know, and then they've made the trade for Wentz and that hasn't worked. And they've got this new regime that has been building out of this Andrew. It's not their fault that Andrew Luck left them after one year on the job, but they've, they've been building around everything but quarterback in Indy. And now they're about to get rid of Wentz at the end of a contract where they're supposed to be being back on top in the AFC South. And they're not, they're not on top in the AFC South. They may be the media darling, but that's not anything that Jim Irsay's, you know, he's, he's not touting that on Twitter anymore. I, I think they're, what they do, splash move wives, resets everything. I think we're talking about Indy the way some of the other offseason teams would be talking about some free agent signings at quarterback. I think they're going to look at the Titans and say, like you said, they didn't use Jonathan Taylor enough. They can build more around Jonathan Taylor. They can find a quote-unquote game manager like Ryan Tannehill. Well, they've got that guy. Throw less and win with that. Well, they've already got that guy. Well, he's got got some kind of problem, though, that that emerged in-house that made it irreparable, it seems like. Well, his problem is he choked, just like the Titans quarterback choked in the big moment. He was terrible against Jacksonville in a must-win game. In less big moments in, oh, week, sure. in week 16 and yeah. 17. But I, I think they know. I, mean, I really think that's the big issue. We didn't hear about Carson Wentz being a problem until that Jacksonville game. Well, I think here's what I would say. If you just look for a game manager or just a level above that and you're going through the run, you can have Wentz and go get a better option as your backup and have it ready to go. Like that, that, That's what I'm saying the Titans should do. But if you're out on Wentz, it's because you feel as though you've got everything in place except that guy, and we're going to sell that to a potential trade partner whenever that quarterback signs off on it. That's that would be my view, but I'm I'm more I'm looking at the I'm looking at the job situation for guys who are trying to keep their jobs, and I think these guys are feeling it. I don't. I think they were nervous about getting canned coming back from Jacksonville. Well, I mean, Ursay was clearly livid, clearly, and and he had to be convinced about Wentz, right? That was yes. the report. He was talked into Wentz by Reich. Well, he may not be getting talked into anything. He may be demanding things. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's odd. 
There is big broadcasting news out there. Yes. Big and, broadcasting news. And not just one, but two games coming to Monday Night Football. We'll explain on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Troy Aikman could be on the move to ESPN, to Amazon. Our reports are he wants $17.5 million per year, which would be more than double what he was reportedly making currently. He's been, um, post his NFL career, he's been broadcasting for 21 years. And uh, he and Joe Buck have been the voice of the NFL on Fox and have done great work. And reports are from Andrew Marchand and, and others that he's being suited heavily by ESPN for Monday Night Football. And there was a report out or um, a rumor out, and I, you guys know I've been saying ESPN, uh, they're, they're about to put Monday Night Football back on ABC full-time. This move would certainly point to that because Marchand would al- also said that um, Aikman would not be paired with Steve Levy, who's the Monday Night Football crew. And there has been discussion of, and I think it's, depending on if they can land the broadcast crew they want, because remember Al Michaels is also available, that they would kick off one game at a certain time and about an hour and a half later kick off the next game on ABC. So you have two games per week on Monday night. I think that's dumb. I don't think it's dumb to have two games on Monday night necessarily. I think it's dumb to have them overlap um, by more than a half an hour anyway. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing you know the, the first game finishing and turn over to the second game and it be – you know, at the end of the first quarter, I know you've got people going to bed issues, though. At a certain point, you water down Sunday a little too much. If you've got two Monday night games, a Thursday night game, and you've got four buys on Sunday, and plus Sunday night football, it's a little watered down to me. I don't get Aikman, guys. I mean, I think he's fine. It's watered down, but I get to see more games. Yeah. I mean, the, the nation sees more games if you spread them out. But there is a certain... I get to see more teams. But, I mean, if you could take every game and stretch it out, I don't know. There's something based on Sunday afternoon having a lot of action going on at the same time. Well, you're time. watching one game on Sunday afternoon, though. Yeah, if I, you're, if I you're, generally am. When I'm, when no, I'm, I'm saying not you, everybody, for yeah, the most You only part. get to watch one game, so this gives more national windows well, to watch more technically you're watching a Thursday night, you're watching a Sunday early window, a Sunday late window, Sunday night, Monday night. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five games. Um, but I don't get Aikman a universal appeal. I mean, he's not that much better than anybody else. I don't find him particularly like I can't tell the difference between him and somebody else. Romo is different. Romo is different. Aikman to me is not going to get me to a game I wasn't going to otherwise. Very few people are. Uh, but seventeen million dollars is insane to me. Monday night now is going to go crazy because it hasn't established a good booth. In a long time. I don't think they're getting rid of those guys. Well, Hutton, you... Oh, you think this is for the other game? Yes. I you, think this is for the ABC crew. You brought up earlier this season about ABC and Monday Night Football and returning with a bang, and what about Peyton Manning? 
possibly going to Monday Night Football? Would that be the proper cachet well, to get Peyton Manning to do something with broadcasting a game? It would, but but I think that that is the I think the long term play for that is the year that ESPN gets their Super Bowl. Yeah, so I bring that up to say is Troy Aikman a bang for ABC Monday Night Football? Uh, if you pair him with Al Michaels, yes. yes. That and that's that's Al my next Michaels point. is the bang. It's Al Michaels. Troy you guys, you guys are big. forgetting the top two highest paid analysts in football are about to be Tony Romo and Troy Aikman. What is the common theme? Cowboys Dallas. quarterback. Yes. Uh, Again, and I mean, but I'll, there's a reason why this, you look, put I the think, Cowboys on. People watch and and yeah. you put you put Aikman on. People are glued to that game. I don't believe that anybody's tuning into an NFL game anymore. For the broadcasters, NFL games do great no matter who's in the booth. ESPN's gone through a slew of terrible boxes on Monday night. Have the ratings changed much based on who the broadcasters are? Has it changed I based don't on think they've been how great. good the games are? <laughs> I don't think they've been as good as they have been in the past. I mean, uh, they had bad how games. How do you feel for if you're while? Steve Levy and that, yeah, that like crew, a by piece the way? Of meat. Because we joked about this with the Manning cast. You know, he's probably wincing every time he has to promote the Manning cast. Uh, that goes up against their broadcast well, and the attention it got. Now, the ratings were way better, I get it, for the traditional broadcast on ESPN with Steve Levy. Uh, but he's kind of left. A niche. He, look, it, it, this is part of the business, I get it, but he's left kind of hanging out there in the wind for Monday Night Football. Now, who does Fox go to for their number one crew? Greg Olson is the logical choice, who's the number two team right now at Fox, who Fox execs love. I think Greg Olson's very good. I think Troy Aikman's very good. But if you're looking for different, I don't think it's those guys, Paul. Like I think they're both good analysts. I agree. I don't think there's a lot different about them, but they both can clearly do the job. I'm not paying either one of them $17 million. I would bet right now it's going to be Sean Payton if Aikman leaves. And this, this to me is another one. So He's an unknown. You go to a national big-time game. Sean McVay is as well. That everyone's watching. I agree. I, I think there's risk in both of them. Sorry, Chad. I think there's risk, too. I mean, I think Sean Payton would be great. I think that. But, but you can't say for sure. That's a big leap. You know, not – Romo was an instant hit. Like, there are examples of guys who stepped – Aikman, you know, when he started. Gruden. Stepped in. He was a third analyst on – I think Collinsworth was on that team with Joe Buck originally when he started. Um, but there are examples of guys who stepped right in and they were really good from the start. Who was it that stepped in but, on Monday night? It was, it was horrific. Rookie, rookie player. I can't remember. I'm going to have to look back. Tony Kornheiser? <laughs> no, a, a player that came in and was overwhelmed and wasn't good. Uh, the only like awful Monday Night Football decisions that I can remember were Dennis Miller. And People Cornhiser. hated that. Most, most recently, they had Joe Tessitore in the booth, and they quickly removed him. Oh, Booger McFarlane. Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane. And Booger. Oh, Jason Witten. Jason Witten, sorry. Jason and Witten. they're now... Yeah. yeah. Jason Witten went back to playing. He was so bad. Yeah, he was really bad. He was bad. Um... Yeah, I, I just the these guys money, are going to be in the booth. The money attached to these guys is incredible to me. Al Michaels, I get Troy Aikman, I get because of the it's Troy Aikman. Well, Aikman I mean, might be a precursor for the celebrity, to Michaels, and he's good. If Aikman's a precursor to Michaels, I get that. If he's a guy that Michaels wants to work with, it, which is conceivable. But I mean, Troy Aikman has been this this Andrew Marshawn report's a little bit different. There's a little more detail in it, but. He's been rumored to go to Amazon with Al Michaels right. since the beginning. Right. I mean, it's been a poorly kept secret that Al Michaels looked like he was going to Amazon from NBC. Heck, we saw the video of him telling Eminem after the halftime show that he's not done. 
when he was talking to him. I mean, to put a rookie guy in that national spot, there's a risk involved. But I also think if you're a TV exec and you talk to these guys all the time, you know. You know if Sean Payton's going to work or not. Well, you also have to work him out. I mean, you got to put him in a practice, uh, do practice. Well, Tony Romo did that too. I was in the booth setting up for Titans Radio when Jim Nance uh, was a preseason game against the Bears, their first ever broadcast. They're rehearsing the night before, calling a game off a monitor. I mean, this is awesome. That's what these guys will do. I'm not, I'm not, of course they're going to prep and get ready for a broadcast. Um, Sean McVay and um, Sean Payton, I think, will be do excellent work. Uh, just have them call what they see, and I think Sean Payton will be extremely honest. I think he'll be more honest than Gruden. Um, outside of quarterbacks, I'm saying. Um, I, I have no reservation in seeing Sean Payton in a booth. He's going uh, To me, he's, he's at one of the three networks in the booth because if Aikman leaves, he's a logical choice with Joe Buck. I'm going to get to Joe in a second. Um, and then you have Amazon factored into this as well. Al Michaels, would he be paired with Aikman? And then there is discussion through the New York Post that Joe Buck's contract expires after next season and that Disney could attempt to buy out his contract's final year and pair him with Aikman. You know, Although Buck, Buck does every yeah, big I mean, he'd game. Be giving World the Series. Yeah he's, yeah, he's good. No, you're talking about Nance. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, he so, does. Buck does everything too. He, I mean, does, he does everything for Fox. Yeah, you know who I'd love to see paired together: Al Michaels and Sean Payton. I'd love to see the veteran, the all-time great Al Michaels paired with Sean Payton in year one as a broadcaster. I think so Al I think Michaels, Michaels and Aikman would be very good together. Uh, they're both pros; they'd be great. I would love to see those two together. I think Al Michaels just wants to call games. I don't know that he's going in demanding who he's going to work with. I think he'd leave it up to Amazon or Disney or whoever hires him. Don't you to think Marshawn's got a different tone there? I think Marshawn's reporting makes it sound like Michaels very much would like to hand pick his guy, and it would he would like he, like he's got a list. It would A B C. He would like it to be one of those those yeah, guys. Yeah, I think I think especially if you're going to Amazon, you're doing that right. Uh, but although level. although you're bringing it's going full circle, you're bringing back Michaels to Monday Night Football, and that, I think they would they would put that on ABC. Monday Night Football on ABC would be revamped completely. And that two two Monday Night Football games works pretty well, like Central and Mountain Time, Eastern and and West Coast Time. That's really a one game thing for for most people. Well, I think they could. Set you're not it up. home on the West Coast for, from work, and Disney, on the East Coast you're asleep. Keep in mind, Disney when they when they re up the TV contracts with the NFL most recently, and what's about to go into effect where these teams are going to make a ton more money um, than they already do. ESPN got into the Super Bowl rotation for the first time, so they're paying Four more. Networks they're paying more. And you have and and they paid a premium price to do that because prior to that they were not getting. They were getting the fourth selection of the best game of the week for Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, it was bad for a whole contractual, two contractual periods when it went from being the game of the week and to Sunday night being the game of the week, which it's been for a long time. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Amazon does, not just from a game analyst standpoint, play-by-play, but pregame show. You know, What are they doing on Thursday night around their broadcast? Who do they bring in for a studio show? There's a lot of hires to be made. Uh, for Amazon, and I'm curious oh, yeah. to see where they go with that. And they've still got technology gains to make that concern me. We've talked about this, but that, that thing needs to be 
close to live like network television is. Um, or they're going to be a I lot of complaints. And there I, was lag time in the Amazon Prime broadcast from, uh, what was it, London or whatever. It was driving people crazy when Twitter was three seconds ahead of the game. I don't watch enough live sporting events on stream to know if it there's been bad. big issues. I remember watching the, the Hannah Storm, Andrea Kramer, a Thursday night version a couple times mm-hmm. before we had Andrea on the show, and there were no issues. Like, it was streaming. Now, when you have – you're the only game <laughs> – there's a lot more people watching at that point, and that there's going to be a difference. Uh, so, I'm curious to see how it because we know if there's big issues, can't fail the first week. Ooh. People are going to some people are going to turn it off. Go ballistic. Now, home markets get home. Uh, it's on network TV and home markets for the Amazon game. So the the most invested and audiences won't be dealing. They're with any doing kind away. Of they're doing away with NFL Network right on Thursday night. NFL Network will have, it's either six or eight games that will be exclusively theirs. I don't know where they're squeezing them in. But there's no late, simulcast. Late year thing. Saturday Is night Fox, games or whatever. No, Fox, these are not. Amazon's both. games are Amazon's alone, which is why they finally got gigantic money for that package as opposed to previously when you had to share it with NFL Network. People weren't that excited about it, nor should they have been. I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Yep. And uh, the packaging that goes on because of the billions of dollars that these networks are paying for yeah, these they're rights. they're going to make it special. And this they're, is they're taking them build to a new level it. of legitimacy oh, yeah. think and about subscriptions. The, so think about... You know briefly. what's going to happen? Your Prime packages are going to show up slower now because more people are going to subscribe to Amazon Prime to get these games, and then they're going to start ordering packages, and all of a sudden... Well, what else is going to happen is that, right. that monthly price is going to continue to it's go already, up. Yeah, it's already... It just, just went, went up. up, what, 35 40 bucks? Yeah, I remember. I remember it was like six bucks when we were first Amazon Prime members for the you know the shipping purposes. Wow, you were the original. Yeah, not anymore. Coming up, the best, the goat in town has uh, the the number retired. It's a big night in Music City. We'll explain next on Outkick Three Sixty. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Big night for the Nashville Predators organization as Pecorine has his number retired to the rafters. 35 headed up at Bridgestone Arena. Outkick 360 rolls on. It's big because, you know, the Preds don't have the richest history. They've never had a 40-goal score, for instance. But you have, for sure, the greatest goaltender in the face of the franchise throughout this historic run that they went on on their way to the Stanley Cup. Um you know, it's the team has been really good, rarely elite, and they're retiring a guy's number tonight who was elite for them in net in Pecorine. Congratulations to him. I don't think this is a great statement for the organization when when I look at it, but it is nice and clean to have someone that there's no one in the vicinity of this person right in organizational history. He is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. 
in star power, in contribution, in everything. Um, not a great statement for the Nashville Predators, but also good that they haven't forced anyone else for sure. into this realm because Pekka Rene is the no-brainer for that organization. Also, maybe the easiest position to have somebody singular at. So, like, it's, it's um, because he was so good and it's such a distinctive position from every other position, it's easier, Chad, to see that distance um, and to maintain that distance. A class act by everybody's account who's ever um, dealt with him. And uh, a cool weekend for Preds fans to have this for him tonight. And then uh, the stadium series game Saturday, um, you know, across the river from, from the arena to, uh, to Nissan Stadium, where they'll play outdoors, um, hopefully on good ice after all this rain. David Reed is going to the game tonight um, and is dressed in what we all like to call yellow and the Predators call gold. What's your uh, expectation tonight for what it's going to be like over there? It's gold. I, I mean, it's probably going to be the best atmosphere of the season there. Um, this was a team that went on a run for a while, uh, but I haven't been back in that arena um, I, in a long time. And I think that's going to be – I think you're going to see a lot of people who have not – their shadow has not crossed the door of Bridgestone Arena in quite a while there in attendance tonight. And I think it will be a great atmosphere. They're doing it at 6 o'clock. Does he speak? Prior to a yes. 7.30 puck drop. So, yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I am expecting something big because we all know if you've ever been to a National Predators game or saw the playoff run on television from afar somewhere else in the country, you know the production value that they put into things over at Bridgestone Arena when it comes to the National Predators. So I'm not expecting anything less than that tonight. There's there, 90 minutes of Pekka Rene celebration? Well, then warm-ups. The warm-ups. Warm-ups. Warm okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Warm-ups. Yeah, you got to have warm-ups. You got to get the stage off the ice. I'm gotta assuming it's on lights. the ice. Got to have warm-ups. Uh, they do maybe great it's not. stuff with lights. I, I want to throw out this scenario, um, and I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to start anything. It's just a, I think it's a fair question to ask. This is an organization that loves to hold grudges. And the big three's in town tonight by coincidence. Shea Weber's in town. He's here. Um, my guess is he'll be a part of whatever's going on during this ceremony. By coincidence, Dallas is in town, which means Ryan Souter is in town. Is he on the bench? Is he going to sit on the visiting bench with all the Preds fans there? Will the Preds want that? The big three of the era is here. And Souter, like it or not, was a part of that turn. And then he bolted, and everyone here got... Really ticked off about it. Um, I'm curious on how that comes across because Suter is here. He's not liked. Weber's back in town, and he's here for the event. At least I'm told. And you've got Pekka going into the rafters. I think Suter should be on the bench for this, and I, I hope he's given that option for pregame. I think it was absolutely intentional that this was the game that they chose to do this, knowing that exact fact right there. Because just like we said, two days from now, there's going to be a huge game over at Nissan Stadium. The eyes of the NHL world will be on that Stadium Series game. They could have very well retired his jersey there and raised the banner somewhere else. I think they're doing it because Ryan Suter is in the building. Maybe so. Uh, they're, I, I, they're hope certainly, right. I hope you're right. Got in, I hope you're right. They're certainly not going to retire his jersey at Nissan Stadium with the Titans. I can, I would bet everything on that. No, well, I don't know, but I'm saying if you wanted to have a big ceremony where yeah. the entire sport is watching you, you, do you a could preview, have done it. Yeah, there. you do something. Um, and they'll certainly be mentioned during the telecast it's gonna, on, on oh. Saturday. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's going to be, it's great. It's a big event. Um, and again, if you want to combine history with the present and you have all the fans there, I'm not saying you have to announce Ryan Suter, but Ryan Suter is going to be at the arena and he's about to play in the game in an hour and a half and he's about to go to warmups. I would think that he could come out to the visiting bench and sit there. I, I'm curious I'll report, how that would be received. I'll report back to you. You yeah, guys keep, agree? Keep eyes on that. I mean, we know how Boyle feels about who that. Who on earth would boo him, though, in that moment? Well, not boo him. I don't even know if you'll notice him. I'm just saying, I'm pointing out the fact that he'll be there, and you've got the big three. Um, and he's not well-liked because he bolted for Minnesota after um, David Poyle said he was going to be back. And he fell for it and admitted it with us. He admitted he fell for Suter saying he wanted to stay. And then... Oh, by the way, Shea Weber signed a contract with Philadelphia that same offseason. He's back. So fun times. Yeah, it, 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 he should be. He should. The gang be back. is back together. I just some, Weber will be in the Raptors too. For some reason, though, I just picture Ryan Suter pulling the Bobby Valentine with a fake mustache, <laughs> just kind of looking down the tunnel, seeing what's going on. Pull uh, that ball cap down. I think. I think in, under normal circumstances. He would absolutely be on the bench, but it's the press. Well, man. what they it's should the do is have Ryan Suter come out during that very early tribute and say something or announce Just wave. him. Announce and come him out and wave. say something to Pekka Rene and get an ovation and go back to the locker room. That's what I would do if yeah. I were the press. Should be cool. I Doesn't can't wait to, to hear Pekka's speech. Yeah. And uh, we'll see who else they send up there uh, to speak on behalf of the organization. Uh, fun show today. Back at it tomorrow. They're all fun. Yeah, they're all fun. They're all big. You know it. Six we and know body as well. Join us here and it. hit the podcast if you miss portions of the show. Hit us tomorrow for Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.